It all started when I was approached to be spokesman for a multinational corporation called EES. Oh, the everything except shoes people. Right. I was at their headquarters to meet the chairman and the board of directors. They wanted to send me to South America to promote a controversial fertilizer called Zygrot 24. You are the only one who can stand up to these radicals who are trying to keep Zygrot 24 from the struggling farmers whose very future depends on it. Wasn't that stuff banned? Only in the U.S. and Europe. Welcome to episode 11 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. This week we go deep into the vault for film only available on YouTube, the 1993 comedy horror film. I have no idea what to call this literal freak show, Freaked, starring Alex Winter, Randy Quaid, and Brooke Shields, among others that we'll get into in a little bit. I am Noah Frank. My co-host, as always, is Will Vitka, and our guest who brought us this movie is none other than journalist and podcast producer AC. So AC, let me ask you, why? Why are we watching this let me, movie? Let me respond to you with why not. So when Will when Will posed this question to me, it was a matter of it was kind of a challenge, right? Do you like this movie? Why do you like this movie? You haven't seen this in 10 years. Why is this burned into your brain? There was something along those lines, right, Will? Uh I can confirm that. I mean, the name of the podcast is I Think I Like This Movie. Okay, so <laughs> I, I took that as a challenge. And um, the last time I saw this movie was at the Psychotronic Film Festival in Washington, D.C., or Psychotronic Film Society screening in Washington, D.C., which if you haven't heard of it, and once we're back to, like, we can all breathe around each other life again, I, like, highly recommend the Psychotronic Film Society. They had screenings every monday of like weird ass stuff i i have both volumes of the now out of print psychotronic guide right and this this to me is the culmination of psychotronic film meets um a vaudeville legacy do you do you want my whole spiel on why that works I, you're going to have to explain that part. Okay. Uh, but, but, and then we'll get into exactly what this movie actually is. But yes, go ahead. Okay. So uh, what, when I'm thinking about film theory with this film, it's um, from the psychotronic side. It's got butthole surfers. It's got blind idiot Dodd. It's got such weird production values. It incorporates live action film, claymation, insane costume design and makeup. Jesus. Um, and then if you move over, like those are just the more, more psychotropic things. Like, and that's, that's from the very start of the claymation, like bit of the animating sequence of the, of the intro to the movie, you start off with a blind idiot God track that is just absolutely fucking terrifying. But beautiful and like, really just like an acid trip but then you get into the actual movie itself and it's a bunch of visual gags uh it's a bunch of bad puns it's a bunch of like corny weird ass humor that i think makes it 
as a film that came out in 1993, one of the few like last scions of a legacy that started all the way back in vaudeville. And the way that I kind of trace this is through movies that like I think really, really influenced Alex Winter's humor in helping create this movie, not to shortchange Tim Burns and Tom Stern, who are the co-writers. Um, but I see so much of vaudeville leaking into Mel Brooks movies, which you could never make another Mel Brooks movie now, really. Um, leaking into... Spaceballs 2, coming this space year. Spaceballs, yeah, Jesus, yeah. I mean, and then you move into, like, um, the Leslie Nielsen glory of the 80s, and this is, a, this, this is the dying breath of that, like, weird vaudevillian humor crashing up against these, like, Gen Xers' sense of humor of, like, garbage-pale kids, uh, heavy butthole surfers, metal, like, all this weird shit that like is kind of beautiful in its own way for people of probably like guys our age to be nostalgic about. It's also like at, at points tremendously offensive, really not at all PC, but it's not super, it's not super hurting anybody. Um, it does seem to be good natured in its yeah. Weirdness. It's it's good natured in in its political incorrectness. It's really not out to be injurious. Um, it's really not out to be like torture porn, like a saw or something like that. Like, I still find it funny. I still find it dark. There are like bits and pieces of it that are actually really poignant in terms of like poisoning South America in the entire movie's plot. Um. Well, but, is, but before you get too far down that road, uh, let, let's yeah. <laughs> for people who don't know what we're talking about uh, with with this this film, uh, it is an eighty minute film. It is it's uh, tight. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it is extremely trapped in this era of late eighties, early nineties kind of social references and um, the that intro that's like extremely early MTV pre cartoon epilepsy warning, uh, you know, lots of flashing lights and colors. Um, but let's let we always when a guest brings a film, uh, we make them break down the plot real quick for the people who have not seen this. And so, uh, in anywhere from log line to paragraph form, but no longer than that, please explain to us and to the people who have not seen this film, what happens in this movie? Okay, so the framing device is that um, Alex Winter as Ricky Coogan is on a talk show with Brooke Shields as the host, um, explaining the situation in which he, as a former child star, gets recruited as the spokesperson for toxic waste, which is used as fertilizer in uh, Santa Flan. <laughs> Santa Flan, if you want to use the correct Spanish pronunciation. Um, a South or Central American country is kind of ambiguous there. Um, brings along his buddy, who was the guy who was in Parker Lewis Can't Lose, if anybody from... We're, we're gonna, well, we can get to the nitty-gritty later. We'll get to that. Um, this is supposed to be have, a log line. And then moves, and then gets um, tricked into becoming a freak uh by visiting the freak show of Randy Quaid uh aka uh Skuggs uh 
and a whole bunch of wacky things happen, including um, Rasta eyeballs with machine guns, <laughs> Keanu Reeves as an uncredited dog boy, um, Mr. T as a bearded lady who actually looks just fucking fabulous. When I first arrived here, I was nothing like I am now. I was confused, a walking contradiction, so full of questions. You know, you'd be better off without a dick. Mm. Hey, you can keep the beard. Sockhead, portrayed beautifully by Bobcat Goldthwait as a person with a sock for a head. Um, and, you know, things kind of unravel from there, but I don't want to spoil the ending. It does end up like in a kind of cage match. And there's a twist at the end, and I don't want to get into the twist at the end. Because you've both seen the twist at the end, and you know, honestly, it it really is like the icing on the cake. Will, do you want to fill any gaps there? Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> a lot of it has to do with the premise of the film, which is clearly done from an anti-corporate standpoint, and that's I think that's like the main thrust of the movie that works. The, I, I will say though that the movie has no message. There's no, there's no message. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, um, it's not trying to say anything. It's not trying to do anything except be a, a bunch of scenes of crazy shit happening. So let's not. <laughs> let's, no, I wouldn't read. I wouldn't read too deeply into this. Yeah, no. Well, uh, so like I said, this is a Mel Brooks movie. Well, and you you mentioned e- EES is everything, everything except shoes. Oh, sorry, except, except shoes. shoes. Yeah. yeah, is is this big corporate company? They they are the ones producing the toxic waste. The toxic waste is what turns our protagonist into and his friends into freaks, uh, and is and the rest of the people who are trapped in this jungle freak show farm uh, that is, for some reason is an attraction in this. Uh, made up South American country. Right. So Boo Dude, uh, Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus, uh, Bogus Journey go to South America in an effort to promote or sanitize, I think is probably the better word. Sanitize the image of, yeah. Of, like of something this, that a toxic chemical they've been using as right. fertilizer. Sanitize this corporate venture. And um, there's a, an excellent moment. <laughs> Bill and Ted pun. Excellent moment where William Sadler, who plays Death in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, who serves as the chairman of Everything Except Shoes, which is a clear Walmart slash Target or whatever. Amazon is probably the most accurate one now. Well, I mean, it was 93. I was curious, did was there a direct analog that you guys clearly were like, oh, this is because so many there's so many references in this film yeah, that are supposed that are tied so like closely to things of that era that some of them I was like, oh, right, I remember that. Some of them I was like, I don't even know what they're referencing. Did was there a company that that was the very clear thing that EES was supposed to be? It was too early for this, but I feel like in the early 2000s, I would have been said Monsanto. Like, mm. it's just like, it's definitely like an agricultural conglomerate of some kind, but interested in like food in general yeah. or everything else. Yeah. Well, that's what I, mean. just, shoes. I, I don't, I don't know, like did, did this almost to give it some credit, like did it almost like 
kind of predict how how consolidated everything was going to end uh, yeah, up being. Yeah, God, 93. The only thing I can think of that was insanely consolidated in 93 was like General Electric. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's pr- it's probably NBC. the only one I can think of. Any, anybody like Rage Against the Machine was writing an angry song. About it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so, okay. So we, we've we've covered kind of kind of the the bases there there's not we mentioned it's a very short movie there's not a ton of plot <laughs> i mean it they go to south america they end up at the freak show they try to get out of the freak show they eventually do they end up back in america like i mean that's that's kind of the whole that's yeah. that's leaving out some of the details but i mean like, it's not like there's a long no, you know, a long no there's, no, there's, there's, there's absolutely no plot no, no. I mean, it's, it's just evil corporation. It's very and loose then, and, and sight gags. Yeah, and sight gags. That's a whole thing. It's it's like a it's like a Zucker Brothers movie, except gross. <laughs> that's that's basically what it is. Well, <laughs> we, we, I, I like if like, the airplane and airplane was a hot dog, and they had to manage their way through all the pork product. That's it. I'm. I, I'm trying to imagine that, but <laughs> um, so I, I, like I said, like, like so much of this is, is late eighties, early nineties. So much of it is of that time and era. Uh, one of the things we talk about on the, on this pod is what are the things that are indicative of, of the time and era that, that, that happened in the film? It's kind of, the answer is kind of the whole thing, but like, I was curious to, at some of the things that maybe stood out to you guys as, as really, really of that, of that era. Oh, I mean, like, if, so I used to own the VHS tape of this thing, and there was a blurb on there. From do like you still have it? That shit is worth like a thousand dollars. I wish, I wish I did. I the fucking DVD on Amazon is worth a hundred and fifty right bucks. So the blurb on the front of the VHS cover was like, "More fun than an entire season's worth of SNL in like 1993," which is probably true if you think about it, except for Wayne's World. Um, but like that, that in and of itself was bad. But like, can we just like go through the roster of 1990s stars here? Oh, the cast is, yeah. The cast, the cast is amazing. Alex Winter, Randy Quaid, William Sadler, Megan Ward, who I don't really know, Michael Stoyanov, who I think is the guy from um, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Bobcat Goldthwait, who like honestly, as a child, this movie made bobcat goldplate in my heart for me do, do you um, not remember megan from from pcu i barely watched pcu i was like in college before i watched pcu but it is a very good movie um mr t and then brooke shields and morgan fairchild yes they somehow got like is this troll is like <laughs> the deepest 90s cut ever because she was like super soap star what the hell is she doing on this like weird ass movie the, the, she must have known somebody and they were like here come come do one because she's she's in exactly one scene and like that was pretty clearly shot in one day like that was like she's she was not on that set more than one day uh and she she probably knew somebody and you know whatever that ended up you know uh, given the cast and the uncredited appearance of Keanu reeves it does really seem like it seems like Alex Winter was calling in every favor he had, except for the fact that it wasn't it was a twelve million dollar movie. That's that that wasn't like a 
a big movie. So it's very strange that, I don't know, Alex Winter, call us, let us know. Um, But it seems like he just knew these folks, maybe. I can't, I cannot wait for my chance to interview Alex Winter about this movie. Like, I really, really am dying to just. Well, when you fucking do, let me know. Have a screening at the American Film Institute with him about this. I also don't want to let the cast go without mentioning the child star of this movie. Oh, no. A not... kid who has no Wikipedia entry, but actually did a really brilliant job in the fact The, the little like, Alfred E. Newman motherfucker? Yeah, they made him no. look terrible. This yeah, he kid, fucking Alex sucks. Zuckerman. Um, that's got to be so hard to be that kid looking that ugly in that movie. Well, I will say that... Uh, have that in your, like... I was more impressed by his stunt double who kept clearly covering up their hands when they were thrown through a glass door. That was the, that was the one big thing I noticed. Like they had gloves. Who among us? They had gloves over their hands and they were like <laughs> creepy gray. I, I, that honestly, like I, I, maybe I was just in like a bad mood, but that was my least favorite part of, of the whole movie was, was just yes. the, the entire thing. Like I mean, you talked about not punching down, but they, they basically is like, Anytime that kid was on the screen, it was like child abuse. Like it was, they were just like destroying this child. Like, like, that, like that's his You're only not wrong. in the film is to like get his ass beat. Like, like that's like, I, I just, I, it didn't, it didn't work for me until, at all. Until he becomes the savior of the movie. Until sort you of. let him into your heart. Sure. Well, that's much later. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's 79 minutes. Well, later. you gotta, you gotta hold off for the pay. There's the payout. <laughs> well, while, while we're talking about the other the other actors, astonishingly, finally, now in the eleventh episode of this podcast, we have landed on the second, the, the the first recurrence of an actor that we've seen in the past. I can't believe it's this movie that 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 did it, and I can't I can believe even less that it's the movie that it is tied to. And I, I, I want to see Will's reaction when I explain this. <laughs> Sorry, I just like Aqua Teen Hunger Forest into the scene. Yes. Prolific character actor John Hawks plays the cowboy in this movie, plays the 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 uh, cow that's literally like a cowboy cow. And uh, John Hawks also appeared in episode seven, Shaq Exploitation, playing a mugger in the Shaquille O'Neal film Steel. Of all possible crossovers, uh, bonus points for Hawks, who also appeared in Congo and in the Buffy the Vampire the Slayer television show, both of which we have discussed in past episodes. Congratulations, John Hawks, the first actor to double up on this podcast. He's in uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon. He's in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. He's been in, I mean, you can go back 20 years of, of TV and, and film, uh, mostly small roles. He's in Eastbound and Down. I mean, like, really broad range of... Yeah, that, uh, that dude works. Like, Wait, actually, before we get off this note, yeah, I don't want to let go that Jonathan Chu, according to Wikipedia, director of Crazy Rich Asians, was the giant Stewie monster. <laughs> what? <laughs> go on wikipedia.org. Slash I mean, I'm not going to do that right freaks. now because it would cause a lot of clashes. But if this is the best buried nugget this guy went from this movie to direct an enormous hit 
in Crazy Rich Asians. Like that's insane. So he went from from gross Alfred E. Newman to incredible director. Well, he went from the he was the giant monster version of Stewie. That's he was just like in in the costume. You mean? That's, yeah, that's still Alfred E. Newman to me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I, I was going to say the the other uh, one which you have already brought up, which uh, of course. Uh, uncredited Ortiz the dog boy uh, as and I really I really I saw I knew that ahead of time and so I was really focused on trying to see if it was obvious that it was Keanu Reeves I don't think it was obvious uh he's like I said uncredited um but it seems pretty clear that it was him and obviously the connection with Bill and Ted uh with him and and Alex Winter I, I I searched high and low for uh my self-indulgent bit of gaucho watch which is uh where we try to find a connection to my alma mater the university of california santa barbara in the film i could not find any the closest thing that i could find was this keanu reeves connection because uh my college roommate and i went to see a show in hollywood uh when i was in school and stumbled upon the a street filming scene of constantine with keanu reeves and rachel vice and uh it was a specific scene with the two of them and we stood there and watched as they did a couple of takes before we went in to watch saves the day and taking back Sunday uh, and um, learned that Keanu Reeves has an assistant whose job it is to light his cigarettes for him and thereby fulfilling gotcha watch for episode 11. Wait, Wait, I'm sorry. That's the, that, that conflicts so hard with the notion of Keanu that I have. I know I watched it happen. Wait, though. Keanu's a smoker. <laughs> he, he at least was in 2000. Well, let's call it 2003 probably is what that was yeah but um weird why yeah. he seems like the kind of guy who would light other people's cigarettes for them <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it didn't seem like he was he was like you know being a dick about it but like a dude would show up with a lit cigarette and hand it to him in between takes wait but so somebody's puffing on that before they put it in keanu reeves mouth correct sexy as fuck Let's get back. We've gotten well off track, but let's get back to, to the time and, and, and error references. What 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 stuck out uh, for you guys is extremely late eighties, early nineties in this film. There was the commercial in the middle of the movie. It was super. It was super nineteen nineties. That like cheese whiz or whatever mm-hmm. in the can. Oh, yeah. be a man. Cheese in the can. Be a man. But that's just Axe body spray now. I mean, I mean, it's I not, it's not that far off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I have a whole laundry list, so I, I'll I'll go first. You guys can pop in with with, with what you got. Please, uh, they fly on Pan Am. Uh, that's the first thing. Oh yeah, the, the airline seats are super fucking luxurious. Yep, and there's also a bomb on that airplane that explodes. Uh, I was thrilled that it wasn't taken away from a brown person. It was yeah. just like a crazy white guy with a creepy white guy. Coat. Uh, there's references to Juan Valdez, the coffee coffee man, uh, in in the. My name is court, George Ramirez. <laughs> right, but like, do I don't think anyone under the age of what twenty five knows who Juan Valdez is? Probably, no. um, no, because they abandoned a racist stereotype as a corporate mascot a while ago. Yeah. Oh right. no. Uh, Alex Winter's smoking the whole time in the van, you know, in the jeep on on the way. Uh, 
there's the que- the the uh, quip that he's no Christian Slater, which is the second Christian Slater reference we've got. Uh, we've got Bob Villa, but Bob Villa, but not actually Bob Villa. Bob Villa lookalike. I mean, he's kind of um, like Bob Villa because he helps you. I them. really thought that was Bob Villa for a good long while. Yeah, Seriously, yeah, it, it, yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> Clearly, you never watched Bob Villa. Uh, they play Hollywood Squares uh, in in the in the barn in the outhouse barn. Oh my god, um, the center square reference. Paul Lind. <laughs> Which, a who the to, fuck to, would ever know who Paul Lind is? Conan this O'Brien. is what I'm saying. Conan O'Brien this, would know that. But this is what I'm saying. Like it is, you would know that if you saw this film within 18 months of it coming out. Probably, I like. There's a reference to Gremlins three. Obviously, just the pure existence of Bobcat Goldthwait and Mr. T. When I first arrived here, I was nothing like I am now. I was confused, a walking contradiction, so full of questions. You know, you'd be better off without a dick. Hey, you can keep the beard. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is one gay joke uh, where they talk about se- the sensitive ones leaving. Two gay jokes? Will says two gay two jokes. Gay. I'll get back to him in a second for the second one. Uh, there is a club on the boat. The club is extremely uh, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Wait, 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 wait. Car- the, the, carb the club, the club is the thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, there's an Enrique Iglesias mention which the last time i saw was in my high school spanish book Yo, um, this is timeless man <laughs> uh well any anything else i mean it's just, it's just this littered it's littered there were some things where i was like i don't even know what that is but i know that that's some reference lost in time because i don't because i don't even know what they're referencing um i don't know any, anything else and will uh, what was the second joke so the the moment when alfred e. knew not sorry the moment when red-haired, not Alfred E. Newman, starts scuttling under the tables at the end. Stewie Gluck. Stewie Gluck. Yeah. He's, he's fucking Alfred E. Newman. Uh, I don't give a shit what his name actually is. Yeah, fair enough. When he's he, a soulmate. Which is, <laughs> that itself is weird. I but, know. Yeah. Uh, but, but when he touches William Sadler's foot, and then William Sadler thinks it's Randy Quaid and then starts, he reaches over and he's like, that's yeah, he, like, he like, he like pats him on the back. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, and then they went back when he comes back under the table the other way, they, they, he touches Randy Quaid's foot and he gives him a weird look. And yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so there's, there's like, for what it's worth, there's only two gay panic jokes <laughs> in a 1993 movie, but there are still two gay panic jokes yeah yeah i think what what comes back to me actually as a 90s throwback to like weird 70s shit is uh at one point our heroes are trying to escape the freak show and they are apprehended by i and i the rastafari's with machine guns who are a little literal um eyeballs walking eyeballs with machine guns um and then sent to the den randy quaid's den and you go in the den and you never come out and i'm not going to say that in jamaican patois because that's actually i can't do that and that's kind of offensive um but uh they go in the den only to discover it's like a 1970s thing 
with like this ugly Afghan thrown over the back of the couch and Randy Quaid in, I think, some kind of robe, if I remember right. And he sits them down and tries to lay out for them the, the gravity of the situation and the idea that he is actually their captor and then offers them fiddle-faddle. Right. Now, I don't know whether you've ever been offered fiddle-faddle as men, I presume, are in your mid-ish 30s by anybody. You're, you're, you're very kind. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, man, I'm By anybody over the age of uh, 70. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about like it. I like if you if I come to your house, Will, and you offer me fiddle faddle, I'm going to mock you. It's going to be that. No, please don't. Yeah, like I don't. I know that that exists as a word, as a as a thing, but like I I it's can't kinda, say that I can't say I've ever seen for the kids, fiddle faddle in the flesh. Right for the kids, it's like a cracker jack that you buy at the grocery store, but like it takes place in this weird place, like basement with like wood paneling and like bizarre ugly furniture that you know the hipsters would describe as mid-century modern but it's really just like terribly fucking ugly but the whole the whole film the whole film is really it's an extension of i don't know who remembers watching idiot box on mtv like in the way early 90s Mm -hmm. i think i was i was like fucking eight years old and it was inappropriately young yes yeah 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 (laughs) um my parents just wanted to shut me up. But Idiot Box was this like crazy disjointed series of things that Alex Winters and Alex Winter, sorry, and also what one of two assholes who helped them write this did for MTV in like 1991, 92. I can't entirely remember, but um it was just crazy stuff. And this seems like an extension of that where it was just like, okay, we like absurdist stuff and um, surrealist shit and let's somehow make a movie out of it. Cause it's, there's, there's really no plot other than, Scene to scene to scene to scene to scene. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, packed, it's, it's, it's packed with bad jokes and visual bad advantage. jokes. And it, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's it's like if, if you tried to add continuity to Robot Chicken and stretch it into eighty minutes, like like in terms oh, of God, of, yeah, like that's, that's how oh, quickly things yeah. are, you know. Um, but but like the whole point of that show is it's ten seconds in one space and then you're completely somewhere else. Whereas this is a continuation of the same space. Yeah. It, um, I mean, I loved it, but it doesn't, it doesn't actually work. That's a <laughs> I, I, I just, I mean, I, I knew that they were going for a bunch of quick hit comedy things, but the, for me, most of the comedy didn't really land. Like I thought some of the funniest stuff was, was stuff that probably didn't, isn't like what they thought was the funniest stuff. Like I, I think the, the to me, probably the funniest line in the entire movie was, when he's trying to get out of the, of the like barn thing through the, like the, this little side hatch that's supposed to be like a fire exit. And there's like a lock and he, and he's like, that's against the law. Like, just cause it was so, it was so funny. Like the juxtaposition of like, that's right. That's the thing that matters is that this is like against fire code. Like, like 
but like honestly, I, like I thought that was the funniest thing in the entire movie, and like I doubt that that was that anyone else did who made this movie. I loved it, and it all landed for me. But I have a very particular sense of humor, so like that joke in particular was was really really funny to me, where he's calling out to the milkman, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and then they become thirteen. A gang of thirteen milkmen, and they have a little hammer, and the hammer is also dressed in a milkman outfit. Like that shit. I'm sorry, that shit had me. Well, the hammer, the hammer used to be a wrench. I know. <laughs> That's the best. The the the, the like just... com- completely uh, word wordless origin story, and it just shows. <laughs> That, that he paid that he that Randy the, sl- like the I, slow Randy pan. What, what kind of a sick fuck turns a wrench into a hammer? Well, it was the, like that is some like the, the the best thing about that is that they filmed a scene in which the entire scene is Randy Quaid is at a hardware store and he looks down and sees a wrench on on a like a, on a nail like, and, and picks it up and just looks at it deviously and that's the whole scene. That's the that's it. Like that's yeah, that's probably the best. Bag. It's probably the best joke in the fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that actually uh, is. Oh, uh, I don't know. I think I think uh, twelve milkman milkman is plausible. 13 and then is there's ridiculous. a. <laughs> that's almost that's almost Monty Python. You know, I mean, in terms of like the like. Oh, well, they, super, they, they, winter Python. Winter did cite Monty Python as. Um, an inspiration so it sort of makes sense i'm not saying this is like life of brian right and see the other but. thing that like as a personal note like because i go by ac every time every time somebody mentions ac slater my immediate mental reaction is slater <laughs> i could act a circle around that hack you know, it's just, it's like, it's a really good, like, relief when everybody, when anybody. I, I wish you could, I wish I, I wish you could present this podcast in like a gift form <laughs> and just have your audio. I, I mean, I, I definitely, like, as an adult, have had moments where, like, as there's an a adult, quote, <laughs> you know, like, like, like there, there are quotes from my childhood that will, like, emerge where, like, I'm like, oh, this is the perfect movie quote for the situation. And it only is, it's, like coming out of my mouth, am I like nobody else has seen this? <laughs> like, like this is I know this is perfect for this. And if only everyone else in this room who definitely hasn't seen this movie had actually seen it, they would understand it too. So the guy, made, I think we all have those like buried deep, you know, in, in our, our oh yeah, yeah. I, I've made my wife watch this movie exactly once. I'm sorry, you made. She won't watch it again. I mean, I I don't. But the Slater, her. but the Slater joke still lands, right? I've I've done the same with other movies, just because I'm like, you have to understand what I'm saying. Please, please help me help you. <laughs> yeah, I think overall, like in terms of structure, it works. Um, but the jokes, like you gotta, if it doesn't Some, work, it just a lot doesn't. of a lot of them are just like great, terrible, like. Mel Brooks types puns, though. I, I'll give like, them credit, uh, and, and this ties back to the uh, of the time and era. I'll give them credit for the dead mouse as the mouse as the computer mouse. I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> that that he literally is using a dead mouse to like to uh, you know for to set up his machine. Uh, it's very rudimentary, very early nineties computer. 
But this is like this has like a very strict, deliberate kind of humor. And if you're not into that very, very, very strict Monty Python uh absurdist stuff. It's not gonna work. You're, for you. you're not gonna no, you're not gonna like that's this movie. totally that's totally fair. That's totally fair. This yeah. is not a good yeah. move for you. Yeah, and not not liking this is is okay. <laughs> yeah. because uh, it's also that gross. Said, on that top said, of being like on top this, of being absurdist, it's I'll come for you. <laughs> God damn, don't threaten me, AC. If you dare oppose <laughs> us, you'll stand knee deep in the blood of the, of your children, Will. <laughs> <laughs> that, that line stuck I'm so out glad I was drinking at the time that you said that. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. So let's let's uh we talked a little bit about some of some of these characters. Um AC going back and, and watching this again, uh is there a character that that maybe you appreciate more this time around and, and, and maybe one that that maybe doesn't hold up as well as you as you thought it did when you were a kid in terms of of comedy and and and, and everything within this film? No, this is not a, a film in, I'm looking to for redemption or character structure, really. I, I think um, if there's really anybody that I identify with in this, as I've grown older as a boring adult, uh, it's it's uh, the worm. <laughs> I don't really? like... Yeah, it's just, it's okay to not like macaroons. I, I love macaroons. <laughs> But I don't hold it against him that he doesn't like macaroons. And if you just wind up as a monster because you don't like macaroons, and you know what? Fuck everybody else. That is my that is my ultimate stance. Dry coconut is not for everyone. No, it's not. I, I like it. But you know what? I'm not going to hold it against you if you don't like it. You must. It's fine to have that opinion. That's uh, it. I, I would say if there's anyone who who feels at home here in in this incredibly bizarre world, it's Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid seems like he's he's actually of this world, whereas everywhere everyone else is sort of you know playing into whatever's going on. But like he seems like like that could easily be where he actually lives. Yeah, I actually so Will and I got into this a little bit before we started taping, but Will posited that this was pre fucked up Randy Quaid. I am no. I'm really curious to hear your take on that. I mean, I you could make a good case that this was the the that tipping point. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do. I do. In fact, wonder if this film broke Randy Quaid. What What year was Kingpin? Ooh, good question. God, because he's I, I he's that, pretty normal in Kingpin. Like he's he's you know. Again, I'm not, nobody, I'm not, I'm not nobody in Kingpin that, is that normal. Well, that's I mean, also Bill Murray and let's see. Kingpin was 96. I don't know. I fucking 96, three years. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of time to do amphetamines. Like, like I I I I feel like he's he's like exploring his future space here. He's like he's like getting comfortable in in like how like weird and unhinged he's I, I would like to be crazy, but I'm just not sure how to do it quite yet. Well, cuz then Independence Day is like 97, right? Mm-hmm. And like he's already he's yes, already pushed he the boundary by, flies up by then. the anus of a <laughs> Right. Do I don't I don't the most By the way, I don't ever want to do that movie on this podcast. Can I just like Independence Day? I, I would like to infinitely strike that. I it's up to the guest, man. The guest brings it up. I, I can't say no. I, I'm not, Fuck I you! I did not bring that movie up. Um, 
I will say that the most fucked up thing I learned on Randy Quaid's uh, Wikipedia entry, just Googling right now, he's 70 years old. Good. Yeah. So he'll well, be dead soon. When you really think about it, it's way more fucked up when you think about the fact that Dennis Quaid is almost that old. Like, because Dennis Quaid still, like, looks decent. He just, like, I, mm, I wouldn't go by that headshot, man. For Dennis Quaid? No. Keep, he's AC, keep skin. in mind, our listeners can't see what you're looking at. Look, <laughs> I'm encouraging your listeners to go Wikipedia. No, don't. And look at these skin splotches. This dude has, like... I mean, yeah, he's old. But like, he's also directly related to Randy Quaid and looks like Dennis Quaid. I mean, come on. Like, that's... <laughs> He won. He won the genetic lottery in that family. No, you know I'm team. Oh, I'm Dennis Quaid totally. I'm team Randy. I'm team Randy. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, are you fucking serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Crazy uh, YouTube humpmeister Randy. That's I mean, th- ultimately, that's threatening to move to threatening to move to California and run for governor. Randy Quaid. Ultimately, <laughs> nobody should be any any on team any Quaid. But if you're gonna make me choose a Quaid, I'm gonna go for Randy. Uh, are you doing it for a weirdness? No, I'm I can respect doing it for weirdness. It's the beard. I can't do the beard. So I need to go for the beard. I just shaved my beard. Can you be team me? I'm always team you, Will. We've talked about how this plot is not particularly plot-ish, uh, but in as much as it exists, uh, what what were the the most sort of like glaring, you know, even within the, the very spare, uh, uh, I don't know, timeline that that exists in, in this film? Uh, plot holes or continuity errors, maybe that. Don't, don't do this that, to me. Oh, God, listen, <laughs> you, you brought this you're on here. yourself. You this, right? <laughs> I, I will say I did notice in my rewatch. Okay, so when they land at the airport, um, uh, Alex Winter is bandaged up as like he's, he's trying to pick up on Julie, the environmentalist activist. He's bandaged up like from head to toe, almost as a mummy. And he's like leaning on crutches and blah, 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 blah. So um, Ernie, his sidekick, is driving them from the airport to some unknown destination where they're supposed to go hype up Zygrot 24. Um, Ernie is driving a right-hand sided car on the right side of the road in a South American country. Now, I think that's not usually the way people drive right-hand sided cars because usually right-sided cars go on the left side of the road as in Britain or I think Jamaica or most Commonwealth countries. It's, not all it's of them. the UK for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was one weird inconsistency I noted and I think they did it mostly for camera placement. 
I could be wrong. I'm not sure why that particular choice was made or whether they had no other option or whether they actually shot it in like Barbados or some other Commonwealth country where you drive on the uh, left-hand side of the road or right-hand side of the road, or you're only able to get one kind of car or the other. But that was the biggest inconsistency I noticed when I was rewatching. I think there's a couple of island countries where that's where that weird combo is is the case. Um, hmm. uh, in terms of, of I, I remember my dad taking a vacation somewhere uh, uh, in the Caribbean, and and that being the case. So that 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 may be it. Uh, I didn't see where they uh, where they shot this this movie, but my um, complete lack of research did not reveal <laughs> any results. So um, I my thing was was just kind of that they're just kind of randomly driving off in the, into the jungle, like like. <laughs> With, I mean, you mentioned like he has like a driver, but like, isn't he supposed to? Is he supposed to be down there to promote stuff for this company? Like, why are they not going like to wherever he's supposed to be? Like, how, like, like, how does this end up? Like, 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 what's he, there's supposed to be some kind of plan, right? <laughs> like, he's supposed to be down there. He's getting paid millions of dollars to be down there to like launder their image. Like, how is he not? How how is he not like? being picked up at the airport by the company or like i don't know it just like like just they were like yeah we'll, we'll forget about this we just got to get him to this free show <laughs> like okay but yeah i don't know well did you have anything that was like uh, other than the just sort of general obvious this is an absurdist uh structure uh things that, that stood out to you like there being a club on the boat is a joke. Like it's a gag, right? Like we you get it. Like, but there w- w- was like, I think continuity uh, is just really not their concern here, though. No, it's, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to like figure out what was what was absurdist versus versus continuity here. I mean, like the like the like the plane the plane blowing up the, and then the, the, yeah, oh, oh, thank God, that wasn't up. our plane. <laughs> Like that—that's a gag, right? We get right, it. Like yeah, that's yeah. like that's an intentional continuity error, basically in 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 I, service I, of a gag. I don't think I have any direct continuity errors actually with that. Although I, I will say I would love to see. Well, we probably get to this later, but um, sorry, I'm using actual paper, like an old man. Uh, no, I don't think there's anything that's like really continuity breaking except for the fact that nothing makes sense in this movie yeah i mean that's sort of the, the ethos of the movie is is to to be you know. nonsensical yeah um you talked a little bit off the top ac about the soundtrack uh do you want to get in anything deeper on, on that i mean i'm not gonna fuck i'm not gonna like go out there as the biggest like butthole surfers or blind idiot god um they had mr bungle that shit was awesome i mean mr bungle is great like they the soundtrack is incredible um but it's only really for people who are like into weird metal experimental noisy kind of shit that mostly had its heyday in the early to mid maybe even late 90s which is great and good stuff like very technically complicated um obviously made to freak you out in the same way that a lot of the um, animation in the movie was made to freak you out. Um, I think it's a pretty natural pairing, but I don't, I don't have any, um, I don't have any particular attachment to it. I think it's actually really well scored 
And I think a lot of the sound design actually, like getting away from like the music elements of it is really cool. Like the, the um, drive into the freak show from like, oh, hey, let's go see, let's go check it out. They incorporate like uh, Woody Woodpecker. I'm pretty sure there's a Wilhelm scream in there. Yeah, the, dr- the drive is really good. The drive is really good. And it's like, but dark it, but foreboding it, yeah but it's creepy. also noticeably on a um uh like a blue screen like it, it, yes somehow I, I don't know why they did this but the jeep appears to be real and yeah. they drove over a blue screen like they yes. were trying to to cover up where the they probably didn't have a whole lot of travel budget honestly to drive through like the right terrain or something like that yeah but you cut that into a three second shot overhead and then switch. It, it was it was an odd choice. It I'll, give you, I'll give you twelve million dollars, Vitka, and then you can try it, motherfucker. Okay, <laughs> on. I'm not giving you twelve million dollars. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I appreciate the soundtrack and I appreciate the sound design. Like, I think they actually took really obvious care with that. I think the craft of the movie is actually like maybe the more impressive part of it than any of the writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it, it's hard to integrate something like green screen or blue screen or um, claymation or any of the makeup effects, like, especially in 1993 that they had available. Like, we were talking in the era when, like, was it next year that Jurassic Park came out? 93. Yeah, that sounds right. 94. It took an astronomical oh, amount of money to make anything that like like that that still holds up today. And so I have a lot of respect for like the fact that like they sunk a ton into production values and it's, it's, not a ton into like making this a great movie because it's not what this is about. Yeah, there's a, there's a, an insane amount of attention to detail insane amount of attention to detail it's it's for the failure that it is which is probably because 20th century fox decided to yank it from every single fucking screen in the united states did i say skates (laughs) wait 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 did they, they they pulled this out of the theater they, so they pulled this out of most american theaters yeah they pulled it from every single theater in the united states except for two screens what what was the reasoning behind it uh it the, there, there was a shakeup uh ceo shakeup and the head of 20th century fox that had previously been sort of quasi in love with this film according to legend decided this was too weird for American audiences. And I mean, they so, might have been right. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly it's, for, main, it's, for mainstream American audiences. Yes, uh, for sure. Like, but it's the, obviously sort of found its home as a, as a cult movie. Yeah, but if you sink $12 million into a film and then remove it from every single theater, you're not going to get any kind of turnaround. Yeah. So it never, yeah, had a, it never had a chance to be Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, you know, this is worth noting nowadays in our insane post-Trump-ish era, uh, the guy who fired then head who was in love with this film 
Rupert Murdoch. I could see it offending Rupert Murdoch's sensibilities. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, this could have been could have been something else. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, this is a particularly funny one to ask uh, this time. It's always my favorite question on the podcast, but with as absurd as this movie is, what has happened to each of the characters in the world in the intervening time since this movie? Oh, I don't know. Uh, There's been a new Bill and Ted movie. <laughs> like people... no, the characters, the characters. No, the characters, oh, the characters. not the, the actors. Characters. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, like, right. like, me... did, like, has he has he learned his lesson? Is me... did what one one did they make it off that television set alive? <laughs> like, I was say, did, we, you know... we we know Dodgeball <laughs> got the score. Okay, here's here's a uh, here's the like I don't want to spoil the ending for anybody who's still holding out because you should. This is watch all this movie. spoilers. Um, Ricky Coogan dies. Uh, Ernie might have made it, but like he winds up with Julie eventually. Um, Skugs, you don't want to invest, Skugs. Uh, Ortiz the dog boy caught the squirrel. You're just describing the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, he caught the squirrel, but then he ate it, and then like not much happened. Like, no, he, just... he didn't eat it. The squirrel jumped into the audience and yeah, and attacked an old woman. Yeah, uh, grandma's face off. We got to yeah. go beyond this. Okay, beyond this, beyond okay. the valley so, um, of the freaked. The the bearded lady found her masculinity and her um, uh, and her femininity, and is now operating a massage parlor in Bermuda. Um, sockhead. R.I.P. <laughs> buddy. Sockhead's dead, baby. Sockhead's um, dead. <laughs> Worm. Worm uh, decided to move to New Zealand where he's living on a compound with several other human worms, evading taxes from the United States and doing quite comfortably um, by pirating music from uh, musicians he should not be pirating music from. I mean, they're below ground, so, you know, that yeah. checks out. Nosy the nose man uh, had his nose shrunk back and decided to just uh, become a gardener. Uh, the cowboy um, decided to return to life on the ranch. Um, Stewie, the, the monster, um, discovered he was no longer a monster and eventually got past puberty. Uh, became a successful scientist at MIT and is now working on nanomicrobiology. Um, it's an incredibly complex field, but he's doing quite well in it. Um, the human flame, um, unfortunately, burned out in the early 2000s, not long after 9-11, um, but he was really attempting to put out um, some fires at the two towers alongside Steve Buscemi before getting crushed by a rock. Um, Rosie the Pinhead went on to become Lady Gaga. Um, I just want to be clear, you're ad-libbing all of this, right? The Frogman. <laughs> you, you weren't prepped for this. You're just ad-libbing everyone. <laughs> I'm going down the... I'm going down the... I, I mean, you, you don't have to do the entire, like, ad No, I'm going, I'm going to do this. <laughs> um... <laughs> Frogman um, got blown up. Bill Blazer, I don't remember. Toad, I don't remember. I, know, I was not prepared for this. 
Dick Bryan decided to uh, take over. Um, uh, he decided to take over Enron. He's in jail now. Stewie Gluck grew up to, you know, be giant Stewie monster again. Went to MIT. It's all good. Uh, Sky Daily. You don't want to get into Sky Daily again. I don't want to spoil the end of the movie. You'll find out. Um, I and I, the Rastafari, just kind of dried out after the end of this whole situation. Um, the president of the United States no longer in office um wait i don't even remember that is that wh- oh who is, who is, is the that? president calvert deforest credited as larry bud melman the guy who's <laughs> i've seen a better thing i've seen a better crowd on the opening night of ishta well he's the that he's guy. credited that as the president? president yeah he's credited as the president of the united states in this movie. what <laughs> oh my god this movie makes no <laughs> fucking sense um Morgan Fairchild, the Pan Am stewardess. Uh, we should um, note that Pan Am no longer fucking exists for you. Pan Am no longer exists, but I've got um, Morgan Fairchild in my closet. Does Morgan Fairchild no longer exist? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. She's, she's alive and she's gorgeous, you asshole. <laughs> Will, do you have any cracks to take at, at uh, what happened? To I, these, I, I've been waiting this entire time to just, to just say that, like, at the... <laughs> during the uh, post-tunnel pre-victory celebration, all of the actual bottles of beer still had the caps on. That was it. That was the one one thing I noticed. And then AC gives us this fucking insane laundry list of... Yeah, well, it seemed pretty clear that Ricky Coogan died on live television. uh, I mean, I kind of hope they all died. I know I, I, yeah. you don't it, know that you don't know that Ricky Cooper might have defended himself. You, you don't. You don't know. I, that's that's my guess. Though. I want. Is, I want is, them is, to get sucked out of a fucking died. airplane the same way that the Alfred I, E. Newman did earlier in the movie. I feel like Scuggs went down in a police shootout, shootout sometime uh, shortly thereafter. Anyway, uh, as to their future, they'll be fine. I I, I have no opinion whatsoever. <laughs> I really the don't. Kid, I mean, the kid. The kid is still like. Messed up, right? A huge like the, mutant, yeah. Right, like in in the warm. Right, he those didn't are the, those eat are the two a, he, who don't. He didn't eat a macaroon. Right, or them, and I guess uh, Keanu are the ones who don't make it out. Uh, no, Dog Boy should get reversed. I know, but he's still Dog. He's not reversed. He's still a still Dog. He's still Dog Boy. Right, that's still life. And then became John Wick. Shit. So that makes sense. Oh, mind blowing. Uh, well, that's as good a place as any to uh, to go to the the final question, the all important question. Well, actually, actually, we have the, the penultimate question, which is: Could this movie still get made today? No, no. Nope. You're what? fucking kidding me. Absolutely no. not. No, no. Like, I, like I want to go back to the beginning. This is a Mel Brooks, like Leslie Nielsen situation. It's not. I got. I got a. I got to do a hard disagree with you on the Mel Brooks thing. Oh man, really? It's it's not Mel Brooks. It's it's too. It's, it's descended. It's descended in a long line from it. I, like I, I, I cannot. I, but you can't. You can't like generationally. Like there I, will be some other trash comedian like Tom Green 
or Eric Andre. Or well, Tom Green like lost the flame and Mel Brooks crown. never did. So yeah. I, I don't think this is generational. I think it's more willing to accept the absurd. And I, I will agree with you that Mel Brooks was absolutely willing to accept the absurd. But this is not, this isn't like uh, Eric Andre. You know, Eric Andre is like, this is, I'm going to do a fucking crazy thing over here. Fine. Mm. That's performance. That's some no, kind of performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you, I, take... I, I, th I think they find humor in different places too. Right. I mean like Mel Brooks, mm. Mel Brooks humor for the most part, it's, it's more universal. It's more like, yeah. like, like it's not as tied to like the cultural moment. Like so much of this is tied to like, gags that you you have to be in this moment of time to, yeah to, like, the idea appreciate. of like environmentalists picketing outside like that's really of the time. i would i would contend that there is many timeless bad jokes in this movie i love as, this fucking as movie. there are in like robin hood men and tights yeah but i'm thinking more like space balls you know i would right right I right but mel brooks mel brooks is a universe that's the thing alex winter never got the chance to like expand that i don't think i i, I as a mel brooks fan I, I i don't think this is quite on the same level but uh <laughs> oh no, no no i would i would not i wouldn't elevate that to the same yeah level. But I, I, think I, I, would, I, I still feel like he this is what like he's aspiring to no i think he's aspiring to chaos that's why I disagree with the, the the Mel Brooks thing. I think Alex Winters wants to create a beautiful kind of chaos, mm -hmm. and then and that's it. You know, uh, especially if you watch, I think Idiot Box is kind of a testament to that. And then for some reason, 20th Century Fox was like, "Here's twelve twelve million bucks to to make a movie." But the surrealistic chaos uh, that Alex Winters was doing was great for people who like it. It does not necessarily translate for everybody, obviously. Um, but this is the end result of that. And, and frankly, I would like to see the original R-rated version of this movie because they had to trim this down apparently significantly. Uh, to get the stamp from 20th Century Fox <clears throat> before they got uh, punted to two screens. So yeah. I well to your point, like we both, or I think all three of us feel like there's like no way this would get made today, like as is. But is there is there someone who has enough, like both like cultural and I guess. Uh, um, industry cachet that like because 12 million then is like 25 million now like is there somebody something like that like is there somebody who who has enough commands enough of that sort of uh both sides of respect where they could be like give me 25 million dollars i'm doing a pet project like <laughs> trust trust me <laughs> oh yeah I, I feel like will ferrell could do that martin short could do that um uh, not that you'd necessarily want to watch any of these movies. Like know, Ryan could probably do that tomorrow. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone could probably do that tomorrow. 
Um, but they have a good track record. <laughs> I mean, like, like I, as much as, as as they weren't maybe huge like commercial successes, like basketball is a classic. Like that basketball. is a classic of its time. Yeah, Shit. but it's also that's a one cult, that we should. It's do, also a cult classic. Like basketball, basketball could definitely get made if Trey Parker and Matt Stone wanted it to. And yeah. I feel like that 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 falls not exactly in line with the spirit of this movie, but like. Eh, it's got real big fish doing the entire fucking soundtrack. Like it is very much of its time. Yep. Um, I feel like Keegan Michael Key could probably play off some success and do that. Yeah. I don't think he's a particularly good actor because Jordan Peele did all the brilliant shit. Um, Ouch. Uh, it's true though. Uh you're not wrong. Yeah. Key, no, Key Key was always the uh, the actor. Peel was always the writer. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, actually a pretty good call for like modern day comparison in terms of someone who has enough sway to to maybe convince a studio to throw a bunch of money at something and you know yeah. just see where it goes. Jordan Peel ultimately is the uncredited Keanu Reeves in this situation. <laughs> right, right. But have you guys seen Keanu? No, the kitten movie they did. No, I couldn't. Bring it's kind. That. It's honestly kind of their attempt at this so i'm hmm. not i'm not sure I, like it might work but they need something right, well, other than a kitten well do you think do you think uh rob zombie could get away with financing another 25 million dollars to do something like this i expressly hope not like if you have the money to throw at it i suppose that's all that really matters someone will make it if if someone pays for it but you know that's the way things go. Um, all right, let, let's get to the all-important uh, question, Will, unless there's anything else, uh, or AC, unless you have anything else you want to tie up in terms of loose ends. No, 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 I'm good. All right, uh, we, we, we have this podcast for a reason. We go back, we watch old movies, we see how they hold up, and we ask the all-important question, AC, do you still like this movie? Why would that be a question? That is the question. Movie. I love this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I will. I will point out one thing I had just learned. Henry Rollins sings the opening. What? Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on any movie that has this cast. Like this soundtrack, Henry Rollins might be God, Mister Bunglebuckle, Surfers, Parliament, Funkadelic. Jesus. Um, it's a mess. It's a glorious, ugly mess that you want to eat like a pile of nachos while you're high on your couch after your girlfriend broke up with you. That is this movie. Um, I will love it for that reason. I would hate it for that reason. I don't like feel the need to say that it's in high taste or even in good humor all the time. Um, is it great, dumb, fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really love abs absurdist stuff. I love out of the left field stuff, uh, surrealist shit, and um, yeah, this this movie ticks all the boxes for me. So I would absolutely recommend it for anybody who loves, you know, Monty Python, uh, David Lynch, like really bizarre shit. And also heavy metal and punk. 
Well, one of the nice things about this podcast is Will and I obviously come from different uh, perspectives. I'm more of, uh, uh, I was, uh, I went to film school and I'm more on the writing side of things and uh, writing is what matters more to me than, than the rest of it. And you sort of alluded to this earlier that it is a movie that does not focus on writing. It's a movie that focuses on all the other stuff. Uh, and uh, uh, I was definitely not in like the right headspace. To, to, like I, I was not high eating nachos uh, and dumped. Um, which I I could see that working better. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I I was uh, I was content to uh, to when this ended be able to watch the last inning of the A's walking off the Astros after it finished. Hey, so, look, I mean, don't, was, don't get me wrong. I love <laughs> I love watching baseball games, but <laughs> yeah, it's it was not my cup of tea. It's definitely not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But but I think you both made good points in terms of of. Uh, the the way in which somebody the, the headspace you, sh- you would be in to appreciate it if depending on on your your uh personal leanings and what you look for in uh in films and especially in in this sort of genre of, of films uh you will find what you're looking for um yeah i think if, you, if you're into like aqua teen hunger force and punk music that this is probably this is probably right up your yeah. alley this is the fishbone of movies. <laughs> well, let's wrap it on that note. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for uh, for coming on. And um, uh, as always, uh, make sure that you guys are following us on Twitter and on Instagram at like this movie. You can use the hashtag ITILTM. That's hashtag ITILTM to join in the conversation and uh, see what movie we'll be watching next week. And we will see you then. Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021.